soul. Breaking the yoke of bondage through the power of the word of God. Join Pastor Jackson and friends as we rightly divide the word of truth. You can find My Gospel Soul on Facebook, Twitter, but you can also find me, Denise Jackson, on Facebook and Twitter as well. Now, keep up with us also on the Denise Jackson Ministries website. That's at www.denisejacksonministries.yolasite.com. And remember, with God, all things are possible. Amen, amen. Welcome to My Gospel Soul, where we are breaking the yoke of bondage through the power of the Word of God. We have an awesome topic for you today, the rich man, and we are teaching a Bible study lesson. Amen today. Well, I am. Amen. And uh, a lot of reading, praise God. Just it's Sometimes you have to slow down, get in the Word. Amen. Hallelujah. And let the Lord bless you. Praise God. Amen. But before we do that, praise God, we'll get uh, started, amen, with a little music, praise God, amen, by very own Pastor Jay, amen, and it's called Father. Oh, what's the music? Ain't it in the 
welcome back. Welcome back to my gospel soul. Amen. The rich man, wrong priorities. Amen. We're going to get into it. Praise God. Amen. I want to first let you know what's going on in your weather here in Houston, Texas. Y'all know, oh, y'all heard me say it. It's going to rain. Show going to rain. It's been raining uh, all night. And, um, you know, today as well. So let's uh, let's just see what we got going on. You know, I always tell you, if you're in the Houston area, you need to leave the house prepared. <laughs> Amen. And what do I mean by that? I mean, you need to leave the house with rain boots, a sweater, tank top, <laughs> sunglasses, prepared. Why? Because you just never know what the weather is going to be for today. Patchy fog late this morning, clouded with a chance of showers late this morning. Well, we know that it passed, amen. On to the afternoon, it says it's going to be partly sunny. Highs around 60, north winds 5 to 10 miles per hour. The chance of rain is at 50%. And for Friday night tonight, Partly cloudy, patchy fog after midnight, lows in the lower 40s, northwest winds around 5 miles per hour. For your weekend, my lord, for your weekend, patchy fog in the morning, mostly sunny, highs in the lower 60s, northwest winds 5 to 10 miles per hour. For Saturday night, partly cloudy, lows around 40, north winds around uh, 5 miles per hour. And Sunday, hallelujah, mostly sunny, highs in the lower 60s, east winds 10 to 15 miles per hour, and for your Sunday night, partly cloudy in the evening, then becoming mostly cloudy, not as cool, lows around uh, the lower 50s, temperature rising into the upper 50s after midnight. You're listening to My Gospel Soul, where we're breaking the yoke of abundance through the power of the Word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, another song by your very own Pastor Jay. Hallelujah says, Amen. He is my joy. How about you?
Amen. My Jesus is the joy to me. Hallelujah. Amen. How many of you know, praise God, amen, that God is a good God? Oh, yes, he is. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. He makes his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us and give us peace. Amen. Glory to God at this time. Amen. We want to just uh, give you an opportunity, amen, to sow into a ministry. Praise God that has made a name for itself, praise God, and also has different ministries, amen, feeding the homeless, praise God, helping those who are HIV positive through our outreach salvation after HIV. Also, praise God, just being able to provide Bible studies and community support groups, all these different things. If you would like to give, you can give at uh, by uh, cash app, dollar sign, eagles, you M. You can give that way, praise God. You also, amen, can send an offering to dollar sign salvation after HIV. If you need prayer or anything of that nature, you can text 713-256-1839. That is our church phone number, our ministry phone number, okay? Feel free, amen. Just drop your prayer request and we will pray for you. Hallelujah. Uh, you can leave your name or you can leave a uh, a a a uh, a fake name, however you want to do it. We just want to pray for you. We want to believe God on your behalf. Praise God again. If you would like to give an offering, that's dollar sign, Eagles U-M. It keeps my gospel soul running. Also, you can check out our website at mygospelsoul.com. Okay, amen. So keeping it going, praise God, amen. Hallelujah. You play our favorite statement, but I want to get right into the study on today. The rich man, wrong priorities. And uh, we'll be reading from, for your uh, study, you can read the devotional reading, which is 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 9. Our background scripture is Mark 10. 17 through 27, and also what we'll be reading today. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for another opportunity to share your word. So as we share this word today, we ask, Father God, that you help us to be good ground. Lord, help us to open up our mind, our heart, and our spirit to receive the word for ourselves. And Lord, we thank you for it right now in your son Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So, Again, the rich man, wrong priorities. Starting at Mark 10, 17 through 27. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. That is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, Thing thou lackest, go thy way. Sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasures in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he said at the at that saying, and and he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around about. And said unto the disciples, how hardly shall they have riches enter into the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said unto them, children, how hard is it 
for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, said, with men, it is possible, but not with God. For with God, I mean, with men, it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Our golden text, Jesus beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, one thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasures in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. Hallelujah. Amen. Today the Lord is saying, amen, glory to God. Don't put anything before him. Praise God. Amen. You got to check your priorities. Sometimes, amen, we have our priorities messed up. Glory to God. Mixed up. Come on. Hallelujah. Our lesson aims today. After this lesson, each student will be able to recount the details of the encounter between Jesus and the rich man, express the difference between morality and a commitment to giving God first place in one's life, examine his or her priorities, and yield to God if there is anything that he or she shall be unwilling to surrender in order to please and honor him. All right, so we start off, uh, it says, when you get ready to to step onto the lot of your local new car dealership, be ready for what some folks call sticker shock. Many people of retirement age spend far more for cars today than they pay for their first home. The price of almost everything seems ridiculously high. Candy bars cost a dollar, and a day in the hospital may cost a thousand. Professional ball players are paid millions of dollars per year. Perhaps the fans need to go to the ticket window at their favorite team stadium and simply say, "You ask too much." <laughs> Do you think that would get anyone's attention? Probably not. Boycotts have a very poor track record. With this week's lesson, we begin a new unit of study that focuses on some of the personalities in Jesus and Jesus' life and ministry. Jesus encountered with the rich man, encounter with the rich man is probably one of the saddest moments in that ministry. Jesus had much to offer, but the rich man was unwilling to rearrange his priorities in order to gain that which he said he wanted. He did not read of him. We did not read of him again in the New Testament. Did he ever change his mind, return to Jesus, and do what Jesus asked? We simply do not know. In essence, this man said to Jesus, you ask too much. May his rejection of the Lord's instruction remind us that Jesus knows our heart and demands that nothing and no one take his position in our lives. That's powerful. Amen. Nothing take his position in our lives. Parallel accounts of this incident are found in Matthew 19 and Luke 18. Those accounts give us a few more details about the rich man. Matthew tells that he was young, while Luke adds that he was a ruler. From all three Gospels, together we have come to call this account of the rich man, young ruler. There is no elaboration on the title ruler, so we do not know whether the man was a local official or part of the Jewish Christi. (laughs) Hallelujah. In any case, he found Jesus and asked him to write the right question. 
Before you can get the right answer, you have to know what question to ask. But right questions also must be asked with right motives and attitudes. Jesus, who knows us better than we know ourselves, went right to the heart of the young man's problem. Mark 10, 17, 18, an important question. As the 10th chapter of Mark opens, Jesus opens. Jesus is on the further side of Jordan. This is the east side of Jordan's river, of the Jordan River, labeled Paris. On most Bible maps and parts of the modern nature, nation of Jordan, there he is thronged by eager crowds, crafty religious leaders, and little children. What shall I do? We're in verse 17. And when he was gone forth to the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? After blessing the children, Jesus resumes his journey to Jerusalem, Mark 10 and 32. Among the way, a certain man interrupts the journey. What does he actually know about Jesus? The fact that the man kneels indicates that he has some sense of respect for Jesus. Jesus certainly has no financial superiority over this man, Luke 9 and 58. And Jesus is not a ruler in an earthly sense, John 6 and 15. Perhaps the rich man was has heard of Jesus as a miracle worker or a great teacher. In any case, something he has heard compels him to kneel before Jesus and ask a very important question obtaining about obtaining eternal life. The rich man calls Jesus master. Apparently, the man has heard that Jesus is a great teacher. The word translated master here comes from a verbal meaning to teach. Whatever the rich man means when he addresses Jesus in the way he does, it is obvious that he believes there is something extraordinary about Jesus. The man seems to believe that Jesus, above all other Jewish rabbis, can tell him how to have eternal life. Amen. All right, verse 18, asking the right person. <laughs> and Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Even though the rich man's final response to Jesus will be disappointing, as we shall see, we have to give him credit for addressing the important question to the right person. Jesus seems to want to know more about what the rich man believes about him. So he asked him why he calls him good. A Jewish man would be reluctant to call any human being good. Only God is good. Second Chronicles 5 and 13, Psalms 106 and 1, Psalms 118 and 1, and First Chronicles 16 and 34. Is the rich man acknowledging that Jesus is God? That seems to be what Jesus is asking. However, or whatever the rich man thought about Jesus, he clearly felt that Jesus alone could answer the question that plagued his mind. Verse 19, the easy answer. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. Mark records no answer to Jesus' question. Why callest thou me good? Was it a rhetorical question posed to make the rich man think but not to be answered? Or did Jesus pause until the silence became awkward? But the rich man could voice no answer. We can only speculate, but it's easy to imagine the rich man's relief when Jesus resumes speaking. Jesus 
Jesus' preliminary response to the rich man's question seems to be simple. The man obviously knows the tenets of the law of Moses, especially the Ten Commandments. Jesus refers here to the last six of these commandments. These are God's instructions concerning how people are to deal with one another. Four commandments not cited by Jesus contain God's instructions for man's relationship with him. The command to defraud not may be a synopsis of the 10th commandment. Probably, however, it also refers to the teaching of Deuteronomy 24 and 14 and 15. This is particularly appropriate to remind a rich man that his wealth should not come at the expense of the poor. Jesus will eventually confront the rich man with the heart of his problem, which is his relationship with God. Although Jesus began with the easy answer, he will not stop there. Tablets of stone. The Ten Commandments were not written on papyrus, which was in which was in common use, but only about a durable as durable as paper. They were not written on clay tablets, also in common use then. Clay tablets could break or crack easily. They were written in stone. Surely there's a lesson in that. These commandments were meant to endure. Everyone of the Ten Commandments on the Old Testament of the Old Testament is repeated in some form in the new in the new except for the one governing the Sabbath days. You can find a, par- a parallel to the other nine near the teachings of Jesus and the apostles. These basic laws are the enduring foundation of a moral and, and a civil society. It is surprising and alarming that in many places, people are objecting to the display of Ten Commandments in public buildings such as courthouses and schools. What is there in those commandments that is offensive? Nothing. Even more troublesome than removing them, in the, removing them is the fact that there are organized groups so zealously devoted to removing them. There can be no civil or moral society that ignores the principles behind them. They are basic to, to civilization as we know it. In Babylon, three or four centuries before Moses, the ruler, Hammurabi, amen, <laughs> developed a code of laws. They did not compare to the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are sharper in focus, briefer, yet more prehensive. They will never be out of date. If we fail to keep them, we make a very large mistake. All right. We'll take a break. When we come back, we will go into verse 20.
Welcome back. Welcome back. We are in Mark 10 and we are on verse 20. The arrogant answer. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Does the rich man really believe that he has kept the law perfectly? This answer reminds us of Paul's description of himself prior to his conversion, Philippians 3 and 6. Maybe this man, like Paul, claims only to be blameless according to the law, even if not actually perfect. Either way, however, in the presence of the good master, his answer is quite arrogant. Many people are like the rich man. They think their their morality is enough. As long as you don't kick your dog or bother anyone, what's the worry about? The rich man views himself as perfect in the sight of the law. In other words, he is as moral as moral can get. Yet he has the wisdom to know there is more than that to gain eternal life. Most people today do not have that wisdom. If they think about judgment at all, they view it as a review of life in which they will be found to have been nice enough to get into heaven. The rich man has in his favor a a gnawing suspicion that nice is not going to be enough. Mark 10 21-22, a loving requirement. Seeing the heart. This is eight. Verse 21. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatever, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come. Take up the cross and follow me. Jesus looks beyond the rich man's appraisal of himself and sees his heart. Of course, Jesus loves everyone. So Mark's notation that Jesus loved him must indicate a special feeling for this man. Perhaps it is love like that of a parent when a child has said something exceedingly immature. The immaturity is an indicator of a continuing need for for parental love. Jesus sees the rich man's heart and knows that a barrier exists between him and God. He has another God, his wealth. Jesus loves him and does not want him to be alienated from the father because of his wealth. The solution to the problem is radical. Sell all he has and give the proceeds to the poor. Is Jesus serious? Apparently so. Does does divesting one's earthly wealth and assisting the poor gain eternal life for anyone willing to take such a radical step? No. But it does not, it, though... It would be fine. It does not save us. No good work can do that. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. In this instance, Jesus senses that the rich man's desire for God to desire for God is genuine. But it is superseded by his desire for wealth. God does not have first place in this man's heart. His first love is his money. That is the problem. Jesus' solution is painfully honest. Jesus does not leave the rich man reeling in his thoughts about the proposed solution. Jesus immediately goes on to assure the rich man that he will be making a better investment by having treasure in heaven. This call is not exclusive to the rich man. Jesus calls on all who follow him to diverse themselves to divest themselves of earthly restraints. 
in seeking God's kingdom. Luke 12, 29, 34. Consider what it, what it would mean if we really believe what Jesus said. Obviously, we are not to give away all we have and then become burden for others to care for. 2 Thessalonians 3, 7 and 10. Jesus challenges us rather to consider where our heart truly is. Amen. Matthew 6 and 9, these are your references. Matthew 6 and 19 through 21. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. Anything we put before God in our heart is an idol. Ezekiel 14, 3 and 4. Ephesians 5 and 5. Colossians 3 and 5. Sell and give. <laughs> Francis of Assisi, Assisi, amen, was the son of a wealthy Italian cloth merchant. He took literally what Jesus said to the 12 whom he sent out as record in Matthew 10, 7 through 10. The instruction was similar to that given to the young man in today's lesson. Francis thought all the family wealth should be given to the poor. His father was angry over the application of the words of Jesus. So Francis left home wearing a raggedy cloak and a belt taken from the rope around the waist of a scarecrow. He begged from the rich. I mean, he begged from the rich. <laughs> he gave to the poor and he preached. His followers became known as the Francis Francis Amen. <laughs> and history knows him as Francis of Assisi. In 1173, Peter Waldo, a wealthy merchant in Lyons, France, had the same idea. So he gave away all his worldly goods and led a life of poverty and prison. His followers became known as the Weldensians. Weldensians. Amen. <laughs> Though fiercely persecuted, they survived to this day. And their views of a simpler Christianity have affected many streams of Christian thought. These are only two of many people, of two of many, who through the centuries have taken the words of today's lesson literally. Certainly, we applaud such sacrifice, even though we understand the command to, to be specific to the young ruler's personal problem, not general instruction for everyone's life. Whatever it is that comes between you and Christ must be given up. Perhaps only you and Christ know what it is, whether it is wealth or power or pleasure or some other thing. If it keeps you from Christ, it must be sacrificed. B, rejecting the command. Verse 22, and he was sad at the saying and went away grieved, for he had for he had great possession. Mark, Mark records no words from the rich man, neither do Matthew or Luke, who also wrote of the event. The man just walked away sad and grieved. He did, his desire for eternal life is genuine, and he thought he had come to the right person to answer his question. But Jesus simply asked too much. It is in this verse where we first learn that the man is rich. He had great possession. He, he had great possession. The greater sadness, however, is in the heart of Jesus. The rich man had the right desire, but was unwilling to make the right investment. Ultimately, his problem is traced to an unwillingness to become a disciple of Jesus. That is where salvation lies. The rich man is unwilling to carry his cross and follow Jesus. Even though Jesus loves this man, he does not chase after him. He does not offer to change the terms of his command. Jesus could have called out, okay, how about half? This man could have 
finance much of Jesus' ministry. It is prudent <laughs> to offend him. How uh, how many, I mean, is it prudent to offend him? I'm sorry. How many preachers have avoided specific topics in sermons, fearing that they would alienate some of their more generous uh, contributors? So the rich man leaves and Jesus lets him go. We do not hear of this man again in the New Testament. Even so, the answer remains. What does God require of us? The answer is given by the Apostle Paul, who notes that we have only one thing that matters to God. If we put him first and offer our lives as a living sacrifice to him, becoming his disciple, we will gain what the rich man was looking for. Romans 12, 1 and 2. An astonishing lesson. Mark 10, 23, 27. It isn't easy. <laughs> Amen. Verse 23. And Jesus looked around about and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall, thou, shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? We can only imagine the reaction of Jesus' disciples at this turn of events. They are probably a shun faced and speechless. How could Jesus ask so much? How could he have let the rich man just walk away? Have they given all their assets to the poor in order to follow Jesus? Will he ask that of will he ask that of them at some point? Jesus recognized their lack of understanding. He summarized the whole incident in very simple terms. It isn't easy for rich people to enter his kingdom. And the Disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? Jesus' words further astonished his followers. Is this some new teaching? Many of the great figures in Israel's history were men of great wealth, Abraham, David, and Solomon, for example. Have these things changed? Is it now wrong to be wealthy? There is nothing wrong with wealth in or of itself. The problem is that riches often keep people from following God's instruction to trust in him and follow Jesus. This goes to the heart of the rich man's misunderstanding. It isn't easy to let go of self-sufficiency and learn to trust God. It is it is easier to trust in riches. Verse 25. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus now illustrates the difficulty of rich people entering his kingdom with an analog, analog I'm sorry, analogy. <laughs> with an analogy that seems ridiculous. He uses what is called a hyperbole, extreme exaggeration to achieve a certain teaching effect. You may have heard a lesson or a sermon from this text that claimed that there was a small gate in the wall around Jerusalem known as the Eye of the Needle. This gate supposedly was so low that no camel could pass through it loaded with cargo the camel first had to be unloaded and then forced to kneel in order to crawl through the gate under this theory jesus is saying that in order to be a part of his kingdom you have to unload our we have to unload our earthly cargo and humble ourselves the problem is that there is no evidence that such gate ever actually existed. 26. It's, it's impossible. Verse 26. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? The disciples' response, response is the key to understanding that there was no gate in the wall called the eye of the needle. 
if they were familiar with such a date, they would understand Jesus to be saying that it is difficult to get into the kingdom. They would understand the implicit instructions, I mean, illustrations of unloading earthly cargo and humbling them and humbling oneself. These thoughts apparently never occurred to them. They are They are confused. They know that what Jesus is talking about is impossible. In response, Jesus' disciples posed an interesting question. Who then can be saved? Why do they? Everyone isn't rich. Jesus has not said anything about the poor. Why do the disciples view Jesus' statement about rich people as applying to all people? There are many who live in Jesus' time who consider wealth to be a sign of God's blessing. Logically, then, poverty is a sign of God's disapproval and disdain. If the rich can't get into heaven, then who can? The disciples' astonishment might also be be the response of people who understand human nature. Rich or poor everyone can get attached to can get attached to his or her possessions possessions even if our earthly possessions are of little value to others they may they may well be of great value to us bill gates might not want my house but i'm sure glad i have it and the disciples are having great difficulty accepting the interaction Jesus Christ has just had with the rich man and his subsequent teaching about earthly riches. It seems as though Jesus is saying that true discipleship must be characterized by abject poverty. Such a connection reveals the disciples have missed Jesus' point. Now, you can read the rest of this. Um, the scriptures amen and I hope that what I read today has been amen, helpful to you amen I love this lesson praise God amen I got a lot out of it and I hope you did as well I want to thank you for tuning in to my gospel soul today amen where the lesson is the rich man wrong priority we love you we want you to remember that without faith is impossible to please God but with God all things are possible who cares God cares talk to you on Monday Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.